Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation today is from the Gospel reading from Mark chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, and uh, this opening phrase here tells us uh, where these folks have come from, it's not exactly clear where Jesus is. He's just uh, crossed the sea and he was at Gennesaret. This likely is not still there, but he may be back in Capernaum at this time. But anyway, this group comes up from Jerusalem. Even though Jesus is avoiding Jerusalem, uh, he's kind of made his home base there in Capernaum, the leaders there are keeping their eyes on him because he's a threat to them. He's a threat to their authority. And within this delegation are these experts in the law, the scribes. Uh, they even had to pass an examination uh, before they could become a scribe. Uh, they knew every little point of the law. And then the Pharisees, of course, they are the ones who are all about fulfilling the law. They're about doing it, uh, reading it right, and acting it out right. And both of these groups then, of course, expect uh, the people to be obedient to the law also. And as they come to Jesus, uh, what is it that they know about Jesus? What have they heard? Maybe they have heard the very recent miracle that he did in feeding the 5,000. Um, it's possible that they have heard about his crossing the lake. Maybe not that he walked on the water, although that word may have gotten out too. But there is some consternation about how Jesus got there. Uh, this is the, when he sends the disciples right after the feeding across the lake and they're rowing against the wind and he comes to them walking on the water. Great miracle. Then all of a sudden they're at the other side. And then the crowds, they find out he's over there so they come around to him there in Gennesaret and uh, there's some consternation about how he got there because they knew that he had been on the other side and that the boat had left. Maybe they've heard about uh, the healings that he did there in Gennesaret, the casting out of demons, all the miracles. When they come to him, what is it that they see? Do they see the bread of life come down from heaven? Do they see the Messiah of Israel? Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. So this delegation is not coming with an open mind, with open eyes, to really see Jesus. They're, they're on a seek and destroy mission. This is why they have come, to discredit Jesus with the people. And these experts in the law, they're sure they have caught uh, his disciples in, in something that is obviously breaking the law, flagrant breaking of the law, and they're going to publicly expose Jesus for who he is. Uh, and, and if he's encouraging the people to be lawbreakers, well then he can't be a man of God. And the people should not be following him. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And then uh, Mark includes this little parenthesis here. In the Greek, there's no parenthesis, but, but this comment that he makes is that kind of a thing. Uh, he talks about the Pharisees and the Jews and what, what they don't do or what they do do. Uh, they follow these laws, uh, washing their hands properly. Uh, this is from the tradition of the elders, Mark says. 
Uh, it's not, see, it's not scripture. It's not from God. It's from the elders, passed down. Uh, when they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. Other traditions, washing of cups, pots, copper vessels, etc. And now rules are not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we live within rules. We have rules all over the place. Don't cross the street without looking both ways. Don't touch the electrical outlet. Don't text while driving. And for heaven's sake, don't ever, ever pull on Uncle Randy's beard. And these rules are designed, you know, for our protection because getting hit by a car, getting zapped by electricity, or having to endure the wrath of Uncle Randy, these things can hurt sometimes. Now the scribes and the Pharisees, they have put a Pharisaical hedge around God's law. Our reading mentions the tradition of the elders. Uh, some of these traditions are from Moses that he passed down orally. Uh, and then the uh, elders, the, the great uh, leaders of the past, have all added rules to these rules uh, so that now there are somewhere around uh, 613 rules, laws, that are to be obeyed, to be observed. And some of them involve washing hands before eating. But not like we think of for cleanliness, right? Uh, your kids come in from outside with dirty hands or wash before you eat, right? You don't want that dirt in with their food. That's not the washing we're talking about. This is a ritual washing, a ceremonial washing. It mentions uh, that the, the Pharisees will wash when they come from the marketplace. That's because they might have accidentally touched a Gentile or touched something that a Gentile touched or bumped into somebody who was ritually unclean and the Pharisee didn't know it. So when they get back, when they get home, there's a washing that happens to make them again ritually clean. See, they are the separate ones. That's what Pharisee means, the title. They are separated from the people. The scribes too think of themselves as separate from the people. They think of themselves as holy, clean. And I'm sure that when these rules and laws were developed that the intentions were good. Uh, the rules in the beginning were, were designed to be helpful to people, but it's come to the point where they're focusing on the rules and losing sight of the law itself, losing sight of God's word, so that the people are defining what holiness is instead of God's holy word defining it. And we're no stranger to that sentiment, defining what holiness is, uh, what is good and right and holy in our culture today is very different than it was in 1950 or 1980 or even in the year 2000. Man's laws that define what is good and right and holy no longer reflect God's holiness. God's idea of good and right. Now some of it still remains. But we are definitely off the map as a culture, making things up as we go along. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? 
And, and here we see the blindness that is there in the scribes and the Pharisees. They, they think that they are clean unless they're contaminated by a Gentile or by something else. They think they are clean. They think they are holy unless they break the traditions of the elders. They are steeped in their own laws. They don't believe that Jesus is going to be able to give a satisfactory answer to this question because they believe that the path to holiness involves following these rules. This is what they're all about and they're leading the people down that same path. And have you ever led a have you ever walked down a path like that, a path that leads nowhere? In, in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, there is a road that is called the Road to Nowhere. And it goes nowhere. If you drive down this road, it's also called Lakeview Drive. And it's a road that was begun and never finished. You, you meander along in the beautiful mountains there for a little ways, and then you come to a tunnel, and you go under the tunnel, and the road ends. Now following that road, that road to nowhere might just involve a U-turn and uh, retracing your steps, no, some, maybe some inconvenience, but following the scribes and the Pharisees and following this unholy notion of what holiness is can have dire consequences. As will following some of the paths that we in our own minds maybe devise for ourselves. And this is some of what Martin Luther uh, spoke against in the Reformation. The church taught that people earned their salvation by being present at the Mass or by doing some penance or by uh, venerating some relic, by purchasing indulgences, and the list goes on. And, uh, and so it's all about what they are doing, what the people are doing, earning their salvation. And are we tempted sometimes to do that same thing, to, to believe that checking off all the right boxes earns our way into God's heart, earns our salvation in the end. That God will have to let us into heaven, so to speak. That by my church attendance, or by my uh, belonging to the right church, or uh, by my family's piety or church attendance, by my, the amount of money I give in the offering, or, or any other number of, of ideas that we might come up with on our own head that, that we can make God happy with us, and that we can work our way into his good graces. The Reformation was all about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, as taught in Scripture alone. Bringing the church back to the Word of God, back to true repentance and the, the comfort of the forgiveness that we have in the Gospel. The forgiveness of our sins. Jesus quotes from our Isaiah reading today. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
And then he gives them this glaring example of hypocrisy, as only Jesus can do. He said, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And he goes into this idea that uh, some of their laws that they've made up uh, involve this uh, core ban. We, we don't have a definition of what it is other than the description that's here. And so we just translate it, transliterate it out of the Hebrew um, or out of the Greek there, korban. Uh, but it involves this idea that if a person says, I want to give uh, my wealth or whatever to the temple, to the operation of the temple, which involved the support of the priests also. So the priests, the leaders, the elders came up with this idea that if somebody did that, then they would be free from God's commandment to honor your father and mother. That's what Jesus says. Now, they didn't think of it that way, I don't think. Uh, maybe in a roundabout way. But what they said is, he, the person who does that, who gives the money, doesn't have to worry about supporting his parents anymore. He can say to his parents, the money that would have been yours for support, that is korban. That is given to the temple. And Jesus says, you break God's commandment to follow your own laws, to go your own road. Honoring God with lips only is not only a problem for the scribes and Pharisees. Uh, how, how often or in what ways have we done that where we honor God with our lips only? Uh, do we come to church only because it's expected of us? Or are we coming as repentant sinners uh, to worship and thank our God for the forgiveness that we have in Christ? Do we say and sing the liturgy by rote, just kind of going through the motions and not thinking about what we're saying or what we're doing? Or do our words come from the heart? Do we profess to be a follower of Christ, a Christian, but but relegate that Christianity only to Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or Sunday itself? Or do we walk as children of light, as Paul says? And we know that God doesn't want empty words, even if they're spoken in church. We certainly aren't made holy by those words. Psalm 51 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. True repentance. The scribes and the Pharisees, they've divided people up into two camps, the holy and the unholy. And they put themselves, of course, in the holy camp, and the people and Jesus in the unholy camp. But Jesus, he knows the true division. He knows all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the scribes, the Pharisees, you, me, everybody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace. All who accept the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for them have that full and free forgiveness. John says, To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's how, how we get into God's good graces. Jesus dies for us. God gifts it to us. His, love, his acceptance, his love, 
He makes us his children. It's God's act, not ours. Obedience to rules won't do it. We can't be saved by the teachings of men. We're not saved because we call ourselves Lutheran. Luther hated the name. <laughs> Rather, we call ourselves Lutheran because we believe that Luther was teaching the word of God, the truth about law and gospel, about repentance and forgiveness, about salvation as a gift of God to anyone, to everyone who believes. That we are children of God, that we are dearly beloved, not because of anything we do, but because of Jesus Christ. When we hold up the word of God as sacred, as truth, when we acknowledge that we are creatures, that we are clay and that God is the potter, as we read in our Old Testament lesson, when we come with broken and contrite hearts to kneel before God, to acknowledge that we need His forgiveness, that we need Christ's mercy and Christ's merits, then there is true worship. Not just rote words that we memorize, not just going through the motions of a Lutheran church service, but real confession and real joyful response in thanksgiving at hearing about God's grace and about our forgiveness in Christ. Knowing that we are clean not by ceremonial washing, but by the blood of Jesus, the washing of holy baptism. Those whose faith and whose trust is in Jesus Christ no longer stand with the scribes and the Pharisees. We no longer stand with those who try to justify themselves in, our, in their own eyes because the Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts so that faith has sprung up, faith that grasps and clings to the Savior. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not honor God with our lips only, but with hearts made new by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and with lives transformed by his love. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.